Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. It is Sandy and Sean. Sean Drotar, Sandy Clough on my left. Sandy, we take a look at the Denver Nuggets to start the program today. We'll have an opportunity to touch on uh, quite a few things today. Of course, the abs are also in action. We get a uh, little bit of the, the March Madness starting to ramp up again. We're going to talk about the Sweet 16s. And, of course, we have to talk about the World Baseball Classic. But the Nuggets are the team right now that I think when you're talking about a team that's active, that you have the most questions about. Even though the Avalanche, we know about their injury situation. The truth of the matter is they're playing great hockey, we, as we talked about yesterday, and we'll touch on it in a bit. But the Nuggets are finishing a five-game road trip in Washington tonight against a Wizards team that's on a three-game skid. The Nuggets, obviously, at the end of a five-game road trip, playing a team that's not very good. These are sometimes the games that are hard to get up for. But the Nuggets of late have seemed to have a tough time getting hard to get up for some of the bigger games. So how they come out in this first half, to me, is actually going to be kind of telling. Is that fair? I think it's eminently fair. I think the next three games, maybe even the next half dozen, are very interesting to me. Not so much in terms of their winning out of these next half dozen, three of them, four of them, five of them, all six, but how it sets them up for a playoff run and the idea of maybe in some of these games Testing yourself, I'm thinking of the New Orleans game 
on March 30th and the game at Phoenix on March 31st, possible playoff previews. Yeah. It's possible they could play one in the first round and one in the second round. It is. Very possible. It is. Very possible. This game in Washington tonight gives them a chance to salvage a road trip that didn't start very well. And they were actually one and two on the trip at one point, right. losing to the Knicks in New York on Saturday, which provoked Nikola Jokic after the game to say that we need to be playing with a greater sense of urgency. Uh, Michael Malone has talked about accountability, uh, boredom, uh, complacency. Um, I'm not sure it isn't fatigue mixed in with I think some there of is those some other of that. factors. I do. And in Mike Singer's column today in the Denver Post on the Nuggets reporting from uh, the uh, Georgetown practice facility where the Nuggets worked out yesterday, there was an illusion at the end of the piece that many people who read it may have missed, but there was an allusion to Jamal Murray sitting with ice packs on both knees. I worry about that. Now, there's probably not a reason to panic about that. There is, it's a long season. You, you know, wear down, you know, you, you ice and do all that stuff. But, but it's, but it's he's certain, had those knee problems it certainly should over be a the last two months. Warning, right? It should be a warning. And you can see it because, look, Jamal Murray, when he's right this year, has looked as good as he's ever been. And quite frankly, I would argue even maybe better, more efficient, more effective, more diverse game. But you can tell when he doesn't have the legs, his shot falls off a cliff. And you know, nice we have five seen for 14, that recently. Five for 16. Five for 19. Right. I mean, you have those games. And that is where the, the legs simply aren't there. And so this is one of those games that I think you have to be cognizant. The Wizards at 32 and 40, like I said, losers of their last three, only won two of their last 10 games. Right. Uh, they're not done, though. They're only two and a half out of the playing tournament in the East. So you're going to get a good, a good fight from them. At the same time, Michael Malone has to find a way to knock down minutes, specifically from Jokic and Jamal Murray. Both but, of whom are playing 36 minutes a game this month. In Murray's case... Obviously, because of the injury situation and recovery from it, it's even more important. I think so. And uh, by the way, both are playing a little more than 36 minutes, as in 36 point whatever. For Murray, it's a pretty big jump over the minutes he was getting in February, for example. Uh, for Jokic, maybe not as big a jump, but I still see some fatigue in even Jokic's game when his turnovers are up. It's Murray's shooting percentage that signals to me that he may be fatigued yeah. or he may be shooting too much. And that's something we'll discuss with George Carl in about an hour and a half right. here on my high school. Yes, indeed. George Carl, of course, uh, former coach of the Denver Nuggets, legendary coach with a, a whole bunch of wins. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer will be joining us a little bit in the, on the program and actually an opportunity, I guess, to talk about another exciting thing that, that, that you and George are bringing together because you recorded uh, a podcast right here in the we studio did. right next to us, uh, basically one uh, about 10 feet down from here, recorded a podcast today with uh, George Carl. That's going to be a regular thing. Regular feature, um, approximately every other week. And uh, we discuss a variety of topics. And, 
you know, I'm 65, so I have occasional memory gaps. Your memory and gaps I are did, better than most people's memories. Uh, I don't think we're too I, worried about I that. I did ask him if I recalled correctly his saying that he would use games to, at the end of the season, to manipulate. Your playoff opponent. Your playoff opponent. Sure. And, and try to draw the team against whom you matched up most favorably. And I remember him saying, as a coach, he didn't really believe in that. And he, uh, on this podcast, by the way, goes on at length to explain why he didn't like it, that when he coached over in Europe, which he did, I believe, on two separate occasions, uh, when he coached over in Europe, they do that all the time with basketball and with soccer. Prior to the playoffs, the top teams would kind of rest players or mm-hmm. uh, take certain games more seriously in order to try to arrange the best possible matchup for the playoffs. Right. And he didn't like that. As a competitor, he didn't like that. But since then, and since leaving coaching, he has uh, reconsidered and now says there are ways to do it. And certain teams have been practicing this idea for a while. He says Rick Carlisle is a major proponent of doing this when you have the opportunity to do so. And the Nuggets are in first place, fairly secure in first place in the West. And when they play New Orleans and or Phoenix, they are facing teams they could meet in the playoffs. Golden State, same way. Uh, The second game at Phoenix that they play on April 6th, same thing at Utah. Sacramento to close out the season here on April 9th. All games that could involve playoff opponents. And we were talking, I believe, off the air the other day on what would constitute success this year for the Nuggets and what would constitute failure. Now, a year ago with the Avalanche, our theory was that though they had not reached under the current regime, the conference finals that they needed to not only get past that, but to reach the Stanley Cup finals and maybe win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of saying you have to win the title or, you know, the season's a bust. I, just, I, don't, I don't buy yeah. that necessarily. No. But I, I think there are, with the, with this Nuggets team... Uh, th- where are we with the Nuggets on th- this They question? have to get to the Western Conference Finals. I, I believe they that as well. To. I, 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 I think if well. they don't, they're going to have to look seriously at some changing leadership, perhaps on the bench with Michael Malone. And I, and I don't, I'm certainly not calling for his role. I think he's done a tremendous job with the Nuggets. But you, you, we have seen in the history of sports when it comes to uh, it's obviously more complicated than just a coach. But there are some coaches that are sort of brilliant at reclamation projects. For example, let's, let's look, go a little bit to see you a little bit ago, right? When they had Mike McIntyre. That was a disaster of a program. They, they, they were literally, you know, winning one, two games a year. McIntyre got them to a respectable position. 
where they would still be occasionally eligible for bowl games that they'd have, they'd have blips. He was a coach that was good at that. McIntyre's career suggests that he's not a coach that's better at taking you from that level to the next one. Well, certain other he, coaches he had the are. one great year. He had the one great year. Ten game season. They had one there. Michael Malone, the the jury's still out. He well, can he can he can get you a good seed in the regular season. His players play hard. His players like him. But when you get into those tight playoff games, in which the talent starts to level out, and and it becomes about execution, it becomes about into timing, it becomes all those sort of things that in many ways boil down to coaching. Malone thus far has been tested and perhaps left found wanting, and and you you wonder at a certain point if the Nuggets look at the talent and figure this is, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sandy, there have been some extraordinary talents that have come through Denver. You look at David Thompson, you look at Dan Issel, you look at Alex English, you look at uh, a the Hall fat of Fame. Lever, fantastic players. This is, to my mind, talent-wise and fit and fit the best ever Nuggets team that's ever been assembled. My off? They've had the best player in the world for three years now. Now, in any given year, you could argue, including this year, that there are better players, more valuable players. Sure. Whatever, but you're nitpicking. We talked with that. You're uh, nitpicking. In mind about uh, the MVP sweepstakes, for example, with George Carl on this podcast. Right. And it could be Embiid. It could be Jokic. Uh, George feels it could still be Giannis. Why wouldn't it be Giannis? Because he's the best player on the best team. Best player on the best team. Best player on the best team. To me, it's Giannis. And they are. in calendar year 2023, the best team in basketball from New Year's Day on through yeah. last night. Best team in basketball. Any way you choose to cut it, they've been the best. But over a three-year period, you can credibly argue that the Denver Nuggets have had the best player in the world. There is no period in their NBA history, uh, nor I would say their ABA history, in which they could make the claim of having definitively, more than arguably, definitively, the best player in the world. Sure. And they've lost 14 of their last 20 playoff games, and I would dare say during the regular season, although the pandemic made regular seasons a little less meaningful because they were curtailed, I would make the argument that they've even underachieved during the regular season. This year, they have not. I mean, 48 and 24 uh, yeah, in first place. Certainly not. They, they've never been at these heights before. But the winningest team in Nugget NBA history was the 2012-2013 Nuggets, who won 57 games. Mm-hmm. This team, most likely, will not win 57 games. But I would argue They have to go 10-0 and 0 down the stretch, win all 10 of their games to beat the record. Right. And they would have to go 9-1 and one to tie it. Here's the difference. The Nuggets did not have the best player in the world no. that year or across one or two previous years. They also had, if they in fact had a best player on that team, 
they had in 2013 and early April lost that player to a major knee injury. Right. And he was unavailable for the last stretch of the regular season. They still got the 57 wins, but they lost in the playoffs. And give that team a lot of credit, like you said. And and that's why you look at it, and it's not always the wins. Because let's even take that team in its starters. Let's say everyone healthy. Leading, I'll just go down with the leading scorers and the guys that had the, the biggest minutes, right? Leading scorer on that team was Ty Lawson, 16.7. Danilo Gallinari had 16.2. Andre Iguodala and Wilson Chandler, both 13.1. Corey Brewer came off the bench, played a lot of big minutes as their sixth man. 12.1, the other starter, uh, Kenneth Fareed. Andre Miller also played big minutes. This Nuggets team would run circles around that Nuggets teams, talent-wise. Talent-wise? It's not even close. Talent-wise. Right. That's what I mean. And so that's where you start after separating the fluctuation it out a in performance yes. is much greater on this year's team. The inconsistency is what concerns me. And and that's disturbing. That team had a toughness about it that allowed it to go thirty eight and three at home. The Nuggets aren't anywhere near that at home. Although they've had a good year at home well, after yes, a disastrous year last year Very at home, year. and there's another way to put it than disastrous. It was ridiculous. They, they were a better road team last year. Some of the teams I've seen out here, especially in the late 70s, early 80s, that weren't very good, that had losing records, had better home records than last year's Nugget team did with the best player in the world. And the man who won the MVP award last year for a second time in a row. Based on that, you cannot lose in the first round or the second round and expect there not to be recriminations. Right. And I, I, it could involve the coach. It could involve personnel. A lot of ways, other than breaking up the team by letting Jokic go, right. a lot of ways they could handle something like that. But it would be exceedingly disappointed, uh, disappointing in a, in a season in which uh, the Western Conference is, at least at the top, considerably weaker than the East. And the Nuggets, for more than three months, have been the best team in the West and and have basically gone unchallenged. Uh, Memphis has had its issues. Uh, Sacramento is improved, but unproven, right? And we're seeing the Kings now uh, lose some games here down the stretch uh, at home last night to Boston, which is certainly no Disgrace. Right, there's no, no it's shame. Not, it's not a bad no. loss. But losing games that teams with designs on finishing first in a conference shouldn't be losing. And then you get the Phoenix playing without Durant at the moment. The Clippers lost Paul George yep. last night. Two to three weeks for George before they'll, right. they'll even think about it. Uh, Oklahoma City, to my way of thinking, is the most dangerous team the Nuggets could possibly face in the first round because... At the present time, uh, this is from uh, Basketball References Simple Rating System, mm-hmm. which is not so simple when you uh, it, it is down. not. It's simply it's designed but to be simple to use. It's not very complicated. They though. rank, <laughs> listen to this, Denver, number six in the NBA overall. Memphis, number five. Sacramento, number eight. Phoenix, number nine. The Clippers only rank 18th. Golden State, only 16th. Guess where Oklahoma City is? Top 10. Hmm. 10th. And they've been that way for weeks. 
And they have a player we've talked about at Psycho some length. Gilders Alexander, terrific. This week, who is on both ends of the court a problem for an opponent. Yeah. Because he does defend. And is he as dynamic as John Morant? No, but he's averaging over 31 points a game. I yeah. could live with that, yeah, dynamic think, or not. I think most teams can. I can live with that, and he plays defense, and he doesn't carry with him all the baggage that uh, Ja Morant uh, is carrying at the present time. Uh, Dallas, I think a much less dangerous, even less dangerous than Dallas is Minnesota. But then you get to a team like New Orleans. New Orleans is 14th. Let's look at let's look at some New of this. Orleans is 14th. New Orleans. They're on the upper half of the NBA. And this is without, in 2023 anyway, Zion Williamson. Who's been for cleared for on-court work. Now, that doesn't mean he's ready to play this. No, it doesn't. For it on, could be a week or two. for on-court work. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, after missing 51 games, he's, he's back. back tonight. He's back. John Morant, after his suspension is over, he's back, he's back tonight. tonight. And by the way, the Nuggets, who are a 500 team on the road, literally, yep. 18 and 18, We'll face a Washington team that wants to get a win. Also tonight, those Memphis Grizzlies are in action against Houston, the second worst team in the entire NBA. If the Nuggets were to somehow blow this game, if they were to take it lightly and find themselves behind and find a way to lose it tonight, they their lead in the West could be cut to two and a half. It, it could be. And and yet... I, That's, now it starts getting I think touchy. As long as... Uh, they win their home games, and their remaining home games are challenging. Milwaukee, Philadelphia, New Orleans. Uh, Golden State, although the Warriors on the road, are a nightmare this year, at least from their point of view. And Sacramento. Uh, you don't really have a softy there unless you consider Golden State to be vulnerable at 8-29, and 29, I believe, this year on the road. Uh, that might be the easiest home game. They have left on the schedule. All I'm saying is that the Nuggets in the simple rating system for basketball reference are number six. In pace, they're 21st. Now, Michael Malone doesn't believe in running or playing at the pace that George Carl's teams played with. Right. uh, Certainly Doug Moe's teams uh, in the 80s played with. Doug Moe's teams are number one in pace every year. But 21st, and again, how much of that reflects fatigue? That even when they have chances to run, they don't run because that's it hard, takes I mean, more that's hard out to of split out because run. the offense is going to go as Jokic goes. And can Jokic play at a faster pace? Yes. yes but, he, but he also plays at the pace that he feels. He's the best is, outlet passer in the game. Certainly. But he also Why tends not take to play. Advantage of that? And some of, that's, some of that, and that's where we're trying to split between what part of that might be coaching, what part of that is the player is going to be tough. Because Nikola Jokic clearly sees the game of basketball in a way that very few players have ever seen. And he's going to play at the pace that he feels is the best pace for his teammates and the opponent. It's just by nature. He has an innate feel for it. And it doesn't seem particularly as if Malone is going to press him into going faster. You, you can't play at altitude and be 21st in pace in a 30-team league. I'm sorry, you can't. And, They're 36 and, and be, be saying that you're getting the most on the team. They, they, they won 34, 35 home games every year in the 80s with a team that wasn't, with one or two exceptions, even close well, I mean, to being as good as this What team. winning percentage would you want them to have at home? They should win 35, 36 games with this talent, if not more, every year. Last year, they won 23. Are you kidding me? They played at a snail's pace at home. Nobody fears coming into Denver anymore. Even now, 
you, you, you fear Jokic, but you fear Jokic You're anywhere. not afraid of the altitude. On the face of the earth. That's true. You're not because you never have to run if you don't want to. They don't make you play at pace. How many games have we seen this year? They've been even at 30 and 6 or whatever they are at home. Where, where the Nuggets have blown teams out in the first quarter. They used to do that 20 times a year. The Lakers would come in here. They wouldn't want to run. They do make their games they last longer than run. they need to. But. And, and they keep teams in the game that way. My, my point is 30 and 6 looks good compared to 23 and 18. I'll grant you that. But their teams, in particularly in the mid to late 1980s, won as many at home pretty much as the Lakers did. Now, the Lakers were a much better team that did a lot better on the road than the Nuggets did. But there's no reason to be 21st in pace. And what I'm saying is that I I think they'd be better defensively where they are a middle-of-the-road team, very average, if they played at a faster pace because you tire teams out. Who's been killing the Nuggets individually lately? Guards and wingmen. There are a lot of different ways to win because games, they're not though, tired. This is a team that not has tired. five more wins in the conference than any other team. I think there are a couple different ways to go at it. What do you think? The text and call line is 303-831-1340. We'll be back to talk more about this. Do the Nuggets have to play fast to win? We'll discuss it next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. And it's been Sandy and I are talking about the Denver Nuggets and the way to go ahead and get to, well, place they've never been before, the NBA Finals. And there are a, a, a few different ways to do it, but Wanted to get, of course, inside. We will have Coach George Carl live later in the program, uh, just about an hour from now to talk about it. But, Sandy, over over here at the My Life Sports Studios, you would, and, and Coach Carl recorded the latest episode of uh, Truth and Basketball, part of uh, George's Truth Plus Media, which is now partnering with My Life Sports to get to release uh, this podcast. So yeah. Looking forward to a lot of insight there. And, and it is interesting, of course, when you, you hear the way that you look at this last phase of the season mm-hmm. and one of the reasons that i think you you and i don't entirely see eye to eye on it but we agree on the importance because oh yes at this point when you've been the leader in the conference for as long as they have the regular season isn't the same kind of chapter you close it's all one thing one push right yes uh, and i think in that respect you look at the last 10 games of the regular season and let's say the first 20 of the playoffs, hopefully there will be at least that many, at least 20 games, because that would suggest that the Nuggets would win all the way up until the Western Conference Finals. And from an historical perspective, going back to their first year in the ABA in 1967-68, right? Mm -hmm. There has never been a more consequential stretch to close out the season and then move into the playoffs where where 
I, I think the games do all tie in together. And I asked George Carl on our Truth and Basketball podcast that uh, opens on uh, our station here and in right. partnership with uh, uh, Coach's production company, Truth Plus Media. And we uh, set the pro- podcast down today. And I asked George Carl if he agreed as uh, someone who has observed the Nuggets closely throughout their NBA history. He's been both a player and a coach in the NBA, whether he agreed with that assessment. So from earlier today, uh, this was Coach Carl's response. It's a wide open tournament in the NBA. It's a wide open. I agree that these next 30 or 40 games uh, are powerfully important to the Denver Nuggets. They've kind of, you know, I, I've always kind of underachieved over the last couple of years. The bubble has kind of kept them afloat that going to the conference meant something. But I think everybody, everybody in basketball, everybody fan-wise, everybody coaching-wise, I think this is the time the team's got to show up. It's got to show up on the court. And everybody's panicking right now because they're not playing very well. But they're bored. I I think they're more bored. And they don't have a goal. I mean, they could probably go 0-10 and still be in first place at the end of the year. And I think Coach Malone has a little bit of a difficult hand of who to play, when to play, should I rest them. Yes, and he is more inclined toward your position that uh, boredom, complacency is a greater factor than fatigue. But uh, as you will be listening to this podcast, hopefully in the coming days, uh, you will hear that uh, he acknowledges that uh, there is still uh, some question about how they've organized their bench how much to play those people, with whom to play those people. Uh, Last year, you'll remember, Sean, it was more of a two-platoon. How should all this be handled? But the importance of games across at least the next month and hopefully, from the Nugget point of view, at least the next six weeks are paramount importance. In an historical context, the history of this franchise, there's never been a more consequential stretch. This is the best NBA team the Nuggets have ever had. Probably the best team ever, whether you go all the way back to the beginning when the Nuggets were the Rockets in the ABA, or you just look at NBA history. Regardless, there's not a stretch that is more important than this one. Uh, 09 was close. 13 could have been, but factors that were both predictable and unpredictable, I think with with having this kind of team and this kind of player, frankly, the best team and the best player, certainly in the Western Conference, the best team since mid-December and the best player for the last three years, not only in the West, but in all of the NBA create an opportunity for the Nuggets that may not come along in this same way again. 
And it's similar to the way we talked about the avalanche a year ago. You never know when you'll be in this kind of favorable position. The Nuggets had a lot of good years when George was here. Sure they did. Right? Uh, They played 620 basketball. They played even better than that after the Carmelo Anthony deal. But they never had this kind of team that finished first in the West. In fact, in most all of their first-round series, save for the last one with Golden State, when George was on the bench, they did not have home court advantage. Up until the last one with Golden State, and they had to play without their best player in that instance. Knock on wood, they're relatively healthy. Last year, injuries served as... In some cases, an excuse, but in other ways, a legitimate explanation for their falling short and losing in five games to the Golden State Warriors and uh, not making much noise in the playoffs. And the year before, they faced Phoenix without Jamal Murray, and uh, you know Porter was banged up, and we, we all know how that series turned out. But this year offers a special opportunity, and I think... The, the pressure resides more on the shoulders of Malone at this point, even than it does on Jokic and or Murray. Here are the names of the four men who have won more than 250 regular season games as the coach of the Denver Nuggets, whether it was ABA, NBA, or otherwise. Larry Brown, 251 regular season wins that went to the NBA Finals, or ABA Finals. ABA Finals, ABA last finals. year the ABA. Yeah, last year the ABA, 75-76, they lost those finals. Larry, Larry Brown's career winning record for uh, anyone of, with that many wins is the highest in Nuggets history at 652. His playoff winning percentage is 467. Right. That's going to be the highest of the three men above him. Michael Malone has 314 regular season wins. His winning percentage in the playoffs with the Nuggets is 438. Coach Carl, Coach of the Year in 2012 and 2013, 423 regular season wins, a regular season uh, winning record of 622, better than Malone's 566, and better than Doug Moe, the man ahead of him, 548. 356 in the playoffs. That happens to be the lowest of the four. Doug Moe, of course, still the winningest coach in Nuggets history, uh, either regular season and playoff wins and regular season combined, 432 regular season wins. 393 in playoffs. Also, by the way, coach of the year back in 87 and 88. Right. What is it about the Nuggets in which you can have guys with, in these cases, career regular season records, Doug Moe, 548, Michael Malone, 566, George Carl, 622, Larry Brown, 652, in which nobody even has an over 500 record in the playoffs. And sometimes in these cases, uh, substantially. Because Larry Brown was 300 none of them won championships here. And if you don't win championships, the late, great Red Auerbach, before Bill Russell had a losing playoff record, his regular season record was fine. It got better with Russell, but it was already pretty good. The Celtics were a perennial playoff team. They had Bob Cousy, who was one of the two or three best players in basketball before Russell came along. And he still was one of the top five, six players after Russell. But when he didn't have Russell, he didn't win in the playoffs. Is Nikola Jokic. Now, in the modern-day NBA, modern-day NBA, if you don't have home court advantage, at least in the first round, you don't win. And Doug Moe 
won, I believe, one series without home court the year after he had lost a series with home court, and it was one of those best-of-three miniseries right. back in the early 80s mm-hmm. that they conducted which, uh, that which, exists no more. And it's a shame because that, that keeps the upsets from happening. But all you needed to know about the Nuggets through the years, for the most part, if you were looking at a playoff series, do they have home court advantage or don't they? And if they had it, they won. And if they didn't have it, they lost. And they had a lot of good years. They were the winningest team in the Western Conference in the 1980s, save for the Lakers. Right. But they played the Lakers multiple times in the playoffs. That's the, that's the Showtime Lakers, by some the way. Some of that's, their best teams. Yeah. Right? Some of the Nuggets' best teams. Well, they ran into the Lakers. Yeah. One of the, and one of the great Lakers, dynasties in the history of the NBA. The Lakers swept them once in a best three out of five and beat them four games to one in 1985 in the Western Conference Finals. Four games to one. George Carl on the bench for the Nuggets, not Adrian Dantley, George Carl, lost one playoff series with home court advantage. And that was the last one with Golden State when his best player was out. Right. And Seth, uh, Steph Curry and uh, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green came into their own in that series. They weren't great stars. None of them were before that series. And since that series, they've been the nucleus of several Golden State Championship teams. Four, I believe, counting last year. Correct. Right. Yep. It's uh. It's so it, it, you're. It generally holds true, especially in the first round. You need home court. The Nuggets will have it not only in the first round but for the entirety of the Western so is, Conference is playoffs, this, as long as they stay alive, you have to win with home court advantage. So is this a defense of Michael Malone for playing the minutes he needs to play to wrap up the number one seed in the West? Is is this perhaps one of the things that we, we've we looked at it, Sandy, and said that you know we think maybe he needs to get these guys' minutes down. I'm not... Uh, the the counter-argument is exactly what you made. It, I, right. If I was being Michael Malone and I'm answering this, I'm like, well, right, Sandy. Yeah. I need mm-hmm. to get home court throughout the Western Conference playoffs, which well, means I have to push and get this right now. And if that means I have well, to ride Jokic and I have to ride Murray, then yeah, I do. But it, 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 let's be honest. Within the last three months... Who has really challenged them? Now, Memphis for a time, but then Morant went crazy. If Morant had right? not lost the game okay. through the suspension, it would might have been interesting. Sacram- Sacramento, Sacramento this off year got off to a two and four start. Uh, they were nine and five in November, eight and six in December, nine and six in January. Uh, they've been, uh, I believe, fifteen and eight. In February and March, really good, but that wasn't the pace they were setting up until February and March. All right, uh, the the Nuggets have been in many ways the steadiest team in basketball this year, month to month. Four and three, ten and four, nine and five, twelve and four, nine and three. This has been a rough month. Four and five, but they played five games on the road, so they're basically treading water. No one in the West has been able to make a big push at them this month. The hot team in the NBA this month by far, by far, has been Philadelphia. By far. Uh, even even Milwaukee, uh, they, they've won, I believe, seven out of ten games, uh, which is fine. Boston won last night to go six and five for the month of March. Right. The Nuggets being four and five. Not much 
difference there. My suspicion is that Malone, in fact, does want to win virtually every game. And to the point of, you know, maybe the other day in Brooklyn was a good example of that. Uh, Brooklyn was down by 24, came back, cut it to seven, and he immediately put all the starters back in. Now, I didn't think they were in in that much trouble, but okay, they've cut a 24-point lead to seven, and this is the NBA in 2023. But do you have to put Jokic and Murray in basically for the rest of the game? Put other starters. I put Gordon back, put Porter back, put Caldwell Pope back in there. But even Jokic or Murray, but both till the end of the game, and, I, and they won by six, but they, they, they were never threatened. They were two, three, four possessions ahead at, at worst the entire fourth quarter. And I'm even saying if, if you lose one of these games because you didn't play Murray 36 minutes, you played him 30. You didn't play Jokic 36, 37 minutes. You played him 31 or 32. And that costs you a game. You have a cushion of several games. You, you, you do. And you don't have anybody who's charging at you. It might have been Phoenix if Durant had stayed healthy. I'll grant that possibility, but he didn't. You have the healthiest team in the Western Conference. Keep it that way. No team that would currently be in the playoffs or the play-in tournament in the West has won more than six out of their last ten, save one. Sandy mentioned them. The Oklahoma City Thunder have won eight of their last 10. Want to get your opinion on it? The caller text line is 303-831-1340. We'll turn our attention to the Colorado Avalanche uh, featured on the uh, national TNT stage tonight against the Penguins. We'll break it down next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Satisfaction has not been a problem for the Colorado Avalanche as of late, Sandy. And I mean, when we're talking as of late, we're talking like the last third of the season in which they've been point for point with the Boston Bruins, who are set to maybe break the NHL record. Tonight, they take on a Pittsburgh Penguins team in Ball Arena tonight. Earlier start than normal for a Denver game. It is the TNT game. So if you're one of the folks that is uh, caught up in the the altitude Comcast mess, you'll be able to catch this one. The Avalanche find themselves two points out of first in the West, both Minnesota and, and Dallas with 90. The Avs with 88. Only two games on the slate tonight, the Avs, and then following that, Coyotes and the Oilers on the, the uh, back-to-back for the TNT But folks. let's mention the Avs have two games in hand on both Minnesota and Both Dallas. of them. Pittsburgh, 34-26-10, as it stands right now, would not be in the playoffs. But they're only one point behind the Panthers. Uh, You're going to get the Penguins' best game tonight in Denver. They need it. They need it, and uh, the Avalanche need it. It's one of those games in hand with a light schedule tonight. Right, one one of those those games games in hand hand goes away tonight. That that goes away. Yep. 
uh, and and it becomes just one game in hand. Uh, you know, Dallas and Minnesota have been doing their part. I was watching the Stars uh, last night at home against Seattle, and it's three to one with under four minutes to play in favor of Seattle. So it looks like a two point game for Seattle and a zero for Dallas. A wasted night, a lost night. Pavelski scores to make it three to two with about three and a half minutes to go. They pull the goaltender. Clock ticks down. They get a face off with about, I don't know, 35 seconds to go deep in Seattle ice. They win the face off. They're in possession of the puck for the final 35 seconds of the game. And they got a couple of shots off. They had traffic in front of the net, but the clock's kicked down. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. And at point seven, they get a shot through. Rebound comes out, and they score. Point seven seconds left in regulation to tie the game 3-3. But credit to Seattle, as has been Dallas's weakness this year. Dallas has lost 14 games in overtime or shootout this year. They had won their previous two, and their announcers were very excited about that. And sure, having scored two goals to tie the game late, including the tying goal with .7 seconds left that they were going to win in overtime, Seattle gets the goal. So... The Stars get a point, but at least they don't get two. And so the Avalanche tonight, with a win, move into first place in the Central Division. 90 points, but having played one fewer game than Dallas with 90 points and Minnesota with 90 points. Three-way tie, all with 90, but the Avalanche have played after tonight, will have played 70 games to 71 for Dallas and 71 for Minnesota. Very simple for the Avs. They win tonight. Regulation, overtime, doesn't matter. Shootout. They're in first place in the Central Division. That would likely be short I think lived. once they get there, they'll stay there. Well, it might be short-lived, Sandy. Now, and here's, again, they have the game right. in hand, so the here's percentages why. are always good. That's true. But we're getting to the point where you scoreboard watch a little bit. Tomorrow, the Wild will take on a bad Flyers team on the road. They're certainly favored to win that game. This game for the Pittsburgh Penguins is the first of a road back-to-back. They will go from Denver, and tomorrow, they will play in Dallas against the Stars. Presumably, you'd think the Stars would find themselves in a pretty good position to win that one as well, given that they'd be rested, the Penguins would be traveling, and on back-to-back nights. So it's very likely... Then all of a sudden, though you're right, the Avs would be looking at this thing. They could be tied for first place, a great opportunity. But it's set up awfully nicely for the Stars in the Wild to keep doing what they're doing, and that is win a lot of hockey games tomorrow. They're likely to well, win both I, I understand that, but then the Avs will have two games. In Correct. Again, no, I go what, by what, this time of year, I'm going put, by winning percentage yeah. because at the end of the year, everybody plays 82 games, and the best winning percentage they do put themselves in the driver's first. seat. That's the fair way to put it. They're in the driver's seat. If you're tied for first, they control you have games their own destiny. You control as long your as destiny. they keep winning, they don't need help. 
They don't need Pittsburgh to go into Dallas and win. They don't need Philadelphia to beat Minnesota. Yeah. If they win tonight, as long as they win in correspondence with Dallas and or Minnesota, and they've exceeded them, they haven't just matched them, they've exceeded them dramatically over the last 10 weeks, they're fine. And they will win this division. I think that is a likelihood uh, that goes greater than probability, certainly greater than possibility. It's not just possible they win the division. It's not even probable they win the division. It is more than likely that they win the Central Division, and that at least ensures them of being the number two seed and playing one of the wild cards. It would be Seattle or Winnipeg right now in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, rather than being a road team and having to play because Minnesota or rival. Dallas. It really, it really matters. So the Avalanche have an opportunity. They would win their seventh in a row with a win tonight. They are the hottest team in the league. Uh, the, the Pacific Division, of course, is is smoking hot right now. Everyone's playing really, really well in that division. And, and getting the number one overall seed for the Avs might be asking too much. But as long as you, but if you were to win this division and get the two and the benefit of avoiding Minnesota or Dallas in the first round, I mean, you have to love their their chances. So I think this is. Uh, a great opportunity for the Avs to keep things rolling. They have to find a way, I think, to still be judicious when it comes into sneaking in somebody else in net instead of Georgiev. But as long as there is some rest windows here, uh, this is... Which it, there tend to be. There the back-to-backs are pretty much And done. this is the easiest remaining schedule in hockey right. when it comes to winning that, percentage. That, that's right. They have that two games left with Anaheim, two games left with San Jose, Two games left with Arizona, that's half a dozen games. You come away with 10 to 12 points from those half dozen games, you're going to win the division. I know the other teams are playing well, and you're not just talking about Dallas and Minnesota, but you're talking about Vegas, the Kings, Edmonton, even Seattle 6-3-1 in its last 10. Calgary's 5-3-2 in its last 10. Calgary's not even a playoff team. Uh, Winnipeg 5-4-1. Uh, not playing as well as uh, Nashville uh, or any better than St. Louis over the last 10 games. But Winnipeg figures to be the fourth-place finisher. But uh, first, second, third place, you're right. Night to night, it changes right now in the West. But the fact of the matter is that even with a game in hand after tonight, they will, if they win, be in first place by virtue of their winning percentage and having a game in hand on Minnesota and Dallas. And and that's all they can look at yep. right now. And Jared Bednar, uh, the owner of a new three-year contract well extension. deserved. Uh, winner of 281 games as coach of the Avalanche in the regular season with a, a percentage. And remember, uh, the Avs went 22-56-4 in his first year. He has a 587 winning percentage after that kind of first year how good have the avalanche been in the last five complete years they played and this being the sixth year and they're right on pace in my view to win 50 games and combined with the uh, overtime loss points 
they will have 105, 106 points, and I think that will be a division-winning The Avs have given up only five regulation goals in their last four games. They In the last three games, the aggregate score is 15-2-5. I mean, it has just been a remarkable run for the Avs. They are playing great. They're playing right at the right time despite the injuries. Uh, we will continue to see how that goes for the Avs when they take on the Penguins this evening at home. The Denver Broncos, with money being limited in free agency, need to find a way to free it up. Will they move one of their receivers to do it? Which receiver? What would they get? We'll talk about it next on Mile High Sports. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Making your cat happy is a number one priority. Priority number two is keeping a clean litter box. Fresh Step Outstretch Litter helps you do both. Fresh Step Outstretch Litter traps waste at the surface with less crumbles and absorbs more waste and odor compared to Fresh Step Multicat. Find Fresh Step Outstretch Litter at a store near you today. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates.